Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, choir. Karl Barth, perhaps the most influential theologian of the 20th century, was asked to sum up his theology, of which there are multiple and multiple volumes, asked, could you sum up your theology? And he said, yes. He said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But thank you for your leading us in worship, Mark, Randy, Carlos, John, Casey, all the, what worship this has been. Thank you all. A reminder in suffering. Our text this evening is in Revelation chapter 2. Will you stand with me as as we read verses 1 through 7? Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Our recent Sunday school literature on Revelation overlooked a particular figure. He's an ancient African Mystic sage. He's not referred to much or at all in church tradition, but he's influenced the lives of millions. He's been featured on films, films that have won Oscars, been nominated for more, and he is Rafiki, the colorful, philosophical, kung fu master baboon on The Lion King. And there's a particular scene in the first, and the best, mind you, Lion King, where Rafiki is having to remind Simba to remember. Young Simba, as you remember, has exiled himself from his tribe. He thinks he is responsible for his father's death. His conniving Uncle Scar has told him the best thing to do is run away, and three Crazy hyenas have told him that they'll kill him if he returns. But Rafiki sees the bigger picture. He sees beyond Simba's immediate circumstances, tough as they may be. Rafiki sees who Simba really is and what Simba is really meant to do. He just has to remind him. 
Simba must remember who he is. Remember what his father has been telling him his whole life. So Rafiki finds Simba, Simba wandering around this desolate place and piques his curiosity by telling him that he knows his father. And Simba, seemingly trying to correct him, says, I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. To which Rafiki replies, nope, wrong again. He's alive, and I'll show him to you. So off runs Rafiki. Simba follows him all the way until they reach this watering hole. And Rafiki tells Simba to look down there. And Simba, with sadness, weariness, shame, and grief, looks into the water and with the weight of all of his suffering says, that's not my father, it's just my reflection. And Rafiki famously replies, no, look harder. Simba looks back down and the water begins to shimmer and ripple with Simba's father's reflection slowly coming into focus. And Rafiki is behind him and he says, you see, he lives in you. And as this begins to sink into Simba, we hear the resonant bass of James Earl Jones as Mufasa say, Simba, you have forgotten who you are and so have forgotten me. Remember who you are. So our text this evening is a bit like Rafiki. It's a reminder to remember who we are. Dr. Samuel Johnson, famous for his major contributions to English literature, remarked once that people more frequently require to be reminded than informed. There's a certain power in a reminder. It taps into something deep in us that we've always known, that we always do know, even when we're not conscious of it. And to remember is to pluck a harp string in us that reverberates throughout our entire being, waking us from our slumber. So in the same way that Rafiki brings Simba to the watering hole and tells him to look down there, so too our text, or more specifically, the risen Jesus, tells us to peer down into the water and tell me what you see. Well, Lord, we say, I see an overwhelming amount of things I'm having to deal with. I see hurt. I see pain, I see aches, I see the combined toll they have taken on me, I see grief, I see depression, I see a fog of existence, I see life whizzing by, I see my weaknesses, I see all my prescriptions, I see a lot of toil. I see an uncertain future, I see my constant anxiety. I see prayers for things to change and those things not change. I see family relationships strained. I see unhappiness in my soul. I see a hope that maybe tomorrow will be better and yet I'm still waiting on that tomorrow. I see a lot of patient endurance. And in the midst of all that, I see someone whose Christianity our culture seems less and less to care about. I see someone who's just trying to get it right, trying to be a faithful witness in the confusing complexities of everyday life. 
I see someone who has to play damage control to friends and family about the ways media and culture throw your name and message about. I see someone trying to bear up for your name's sake, trying to stand against evil and affirm what's good. And Jesus' response, I know. And this is not some I know, like, yes, rumor has it that's what you've been doing. Yes, I've, I've heard you've been doing this. Or, yes, you know, it's been brought to my attention about what you've been doing. No, no. This is the risen Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, who in the tension of the divine and human both holds the seven stars in his right hand, holds all the churches in his hand, and yet walks among the seven golden lampstands. He walks among the churches. The I know of Jesus is the knowing of God, which includes but transcends an intellectual capacity. It's an embodiment of knowledge. It's a knowing that bursts the bonds of our own conception of what it means to know something. It's the most intimate and personal of knowledge. And similarly, here in verse 1, it says, the words of him is tada lege, which is literally thus says. So this is a, thus saith the Lord, the common prophetic refrain in the Old Testament. So Jesus is not kidding here when he says, I know. He's not just trying to connect empathetically. He could not be more serious when he looks us in the eye in the midst of everything we're going through. Our toil, endurance, patience, bearing up, and he says, I know. We need not wonder then if Jesus really gets it. Jesus certainly was fully aware of what the Ephesians were having to go through. Oppression, persecution, imperial worship, a shrine and an altar to Caesar Augustus, provincial temples built under Nero, Hadrian, and Severus. Artemis' temple, the Greek fertility figure, was there in Ephesus, and it was considered a wonder of the world at the time. It was four times the size of the Greek Pantheon. It took 120 years to build it. It was 425 feet long, 225 feet wide. It had 127 columns, all of which were 60 feet high. So it was no small thing what the Ephesians here were having to endure. You can imagine what it meant for them personally and professionally to reject everything that their city stood for and built. Poverty, no sort of care, being ostracized, left to fend for themselves. Jesus was fully aware of that for them, and he's fully aware of what you have had and are having to endure. But Jesus is not just a divine guidance counselor. He doesn't just nod his head and say, I understand, that must be tough. No, he's Jesus. And he has a word for us. So he says, look back down there, tell me what you see. We say, I just told you, Jesus, all I see is me. And Jesus says, but look harder. And the water starts to shimmer, and one by one, other images form and join together, each telling a story as they come into focus. The Father speaking creation into being with John writing, For God so loved the world. Remember 
the Israelites standing together, summoned by Moses as he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And Jesus keeps saying, Remember Joshua charging the Israelites again. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. Remember the psalmist pinning the words, Love the Lord, all you his saints. Remember Jesus telling the Pharisees, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as, these, as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Remember the disciples gathered as Jesus tells them. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, remember the church at Corinth, listening to the words of Paul read aloud. So now, faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Remember the church at Ephesus hearing the charge and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Remember congregations across Asia Minor hearing the Johannine refrain, for this is the message that we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Remember all of these images joined together, culminating in a mosaic that reveal a bigger picture of Jesus on a cross. And Jesus says, you are in this story, a part of a grand tradition that stretches all the way back to the loving, creative capacity of our Father, of a people whose chief end has always been love, all of which are a reflection of me. Your reflection is that of me, because you see, by my Spirit, I live in you. And that is why I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember who you are. Jesus knows us well. He knows that when times get hard, when our suffering increases, our vision narrows. Typically, the first thing to disappear out of our vision when it's getting hard for us is what anyone else in this world is thinking or doing. In the midst of endurance, toil, and patience, our love often goes to the wayside. But that's not who we are. That's not the Jesus that we reflect. It's why He calls us to repentance. And He's very serious about it. So much so that Jesus says, if not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. This is not some sort of divine temper tantrum. It's that without love, nothing else matters. That without love, there is no evidence of being part of the church, of being God's people. You can get everything else right, but miss the love part, and you've missed everything. The distinguishing mark of Christianity, love, your lamp, is turned off and not needed. Quite similar to Mufasa's words to Simba when he says, you have forgotten who you are and thus have forgotten me. So what, Jesus? Do I just grit my teeth and try harder? Is that what you're saying? 
I don't have the strength to do everything that needs doing for myself. How can I possibly focus outwardly on others? Me. My spirit. That's how. Don't you remember your reflection? I loved in the midst of toil, in the midst of endurance, and in the midst of bearing up against evil. That's why I did it to begin with. I did it for you, for this world, and if you'll let me, I'll do it through you. When we allow Jesus to do this through us, to live a life of love, even in the midst of suffering, it is an eschatological conquering, a conquering that lasts to the end of the age. That's how John concludes this letter of the text. It's what Paul says in almost verbatim agreement in Romans. He says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through what? Through Him who loved us. There are all the themes running together through Jesus who has loved us. And how did He conquer? Through love. So this week, by the power of the one who conquered with love, do the same. Conquer by loving someone with the love of Christ. Who, you might ask? Probably the person that comes to mind immediately. That's how God works. Conquer weariness, conquer suffering, conquer grief, conquer your to-do list, conquer bitterness, conquer discomfort, conquer the rulers, the principalities, and cosmic powers over darkness of which C.S. Lewis says in the screw tape letters, it's funny how mortals always picture us putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit reminds the church. Amen.